So when I say someone that is a people pleaser, let's say someone that really enjoys and appreciates the relationships with other individuals. So because you care for relationships, because you're highly empathic, because you care about that connection and that bond, you don't want to rub people the wrong way. You don't want to have quote unquote confrontations and you don't want to say anything to possibly offend someone because it might affect that relationship. So you get this, you get this role, you get this position, and now you get that hint of, whoa, I am now in this role where I have to manage and move a little different than I was before. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And on today's episode, I want to talk about the uncomfortable conversation. The one that you need to have, but you won't. The one that you probably need to have had last week. The one that you need to have tomorrow. The one that you might need to have in the future, but for some reason you run from it. But it's something that we all need to face. Some of you that are listening have had to have it. But I want us to reframe confrontation. Because in reality, there is a reason why we fear it. And I want us to look at confrontation as carefrontations. So let's dig into that a little bit more. As always, get your notepad, your note ticket materials, and let's get into today's message. I want you to think back when you got that promotion. You got into that leadership role. You moved up. And you realized that with this role came something different, more responsibility. You were now faced with those same people that you used to laugh with, those people that you were on the what you considered the same quote unquote level with, you now had to supervise. You now had to have conversations with that were more about the rules, the regulations, the policies, and even about the things that they didn't do that wasn't as effective or things they could have done better, areas of improvement. And you're like, whoa, this is different. What was that pivot like for you? And now, of course, we do have anomalies out there, individuals that were like, it was fine. But some of us struggled, especially if you're someone that might fall into the behavior style that might be more of a people pleaser or and don't look at people pleasing in a negative sense. Because remember, as I utilize words and and I just want to kind of just divvy off just a little bit for a second. Remember that certain words and definitions were created based off of our worldview. And if you go back a few episodes before I really dig deep into our worldview and how for a lot of us, we have to really redefine 
a lot of these things we learned, especially from our first teachers, those that were in our communities, in our households, those bubbles that we first lived in, in our communities, in our schools. And then when we went out into the quote unquote real world, into different organizations, into colleges, spaces outside of that bubbled bubbles that we first lived within our formative years, you know, maybe up until we were 18, 21, whatever it was, then all those things were challenged. We were like, whoa, we didn't know this is what this meant. We didn't know that that's what this meant. And everything was shaken up. And now you start to question everything that you learned. So as I say certain terms, I want you to recognize that how you might take it, the definition might be completely off. So when I say someone that is a people pleaser, let's say someone that really enjoys and appreciates the relationships with other individuals. So because you care for relationships, because you're highly empathic, because you care about that connection and that bond, you don't want to rub people the wrong way. You don't want to have quote unquote confrontations and you don't want to say anything to possibly offend someone because it might affect that relationship. So you get this you get this role, you get this position, and now you get that hint of, whoa, I am now in this role where I have to manage and move a little different than I was before. And that's a big shift for a lot of people. There are first tier leaders that are going through this experience right now. Maybe you're a first tier leader listen to, listening to this. You might not be. I'm not sure what level you are and you're listening, but there's someone that might be looking up to you that might be navigating this. At some point, there's going to be that experience for some people. Or you might find yourself still navigating this, even if you are at a executive tier. I mean, I'm not even going to pretend as if now that I might be in this level of leadership and I've been leading for a very long time, that I still don't find myself uncomfortable when I have to have those conversations. My first leadership role was at 19, 20 years old, a head teller in a bank. And again, I just took on that role just thinking like, okay, you know, I'm a head teller, more pay. But I didn't realize it meant, okay, I'm the head teller, meaning that I am the leadership, the manager behind that wall that manage all the other bank tellers behind that wall. I was like, oh. So when there were problems, issues, and now my boss that was on the other side of that wall, you know, the branch manager would come in and he would sit me down. He would come directly to me and it was just like, why are you coming to me with these issues with everyone else? Oh, this is what this position came with? Yes, Aisha. It means that when there's a problem or concern, I'm going to come to you and I expect Right. This is what comes with your roles and responsibilities that you're going to be divvying out this information. I want you to make sure that you are channeling, channeling this information to those other tellers behind there, that wall to do X, Y and Z. I expect this. I expect that. And it just really shifted how I had to manage myself in that role. The expectations changed. I had to do things differently. I had to just, I, it just completely shifted how I 
connected with everybody. And it didn't necessarily meant that I looked at them differently, but I just realized that, whoa, I have to manage things a little differently. And I struggled having those conversations because I entered into that role equals with everyone else. We all had the same roles and responsibilities. I didn't have to be their leader. And now all of a sudden I went from, hey, we can, you know, if you called out or we will text each other behind the scenes and say, hey, girl, I am calling out today. I went out last night and I had too much fun. I couldn't do that anymore. People didn't feel comfortable doing that with me anymore. And I'm glad they didn't because that's like an awkward situation to be in. And now I had to have conversations and I didn't always have those conversations because I was one of those individuals that I built relationships with these individuals. I still wanted to be liked. I still want to maintain these relationships. Not only that, we had built relationships outside of that workplace. We were hanging out outside of the workplace. We had really built a bond. So learning how to separate personal and professional wasn't something that I realized that I had to do. And even joining the military after that, this was, again, something that I really had to work through. How to separate personal and professional. How to recognize and understand the power of these conversations that needed to be had and how I needed to reframe how I looked at those conversations. And I don't know how many of you all are out there that are still struggling with, with, with this, but we really want to navigate and work through how we look at confrontations, conflict. Like even when you say that word, what comes to mind? And the beautiful thing is I was watching Ianla Fix My Life. Um, if anybody has heard that show, I love it because it's just a, an amazing show that, you know, it's just, it's more than just a show. It's really helping people grow, develop, you're seeing healing and growth. And I heard this term from Ianla where she said, carefrontation. And it was actually in an interview that I was listening of her where she, I heard her say it again. It didn't connect until she said it. And I loved it because that care part just softened the word so much. And I utilized the term reframe before, but for many of us, again, we are having to redefine, reframe a lot of these terms that we have learned because how we learned about them was not necessarily the best way. And because we learned about them in this way or in a way that wasn't as effective, we now have taken these ideas into the workplace, into leadership, into management, and now it's affecting how we show up in these spaces. And now we can have these conversations that are needed to develop our teams, to help us elevate, to help us grow, even conversations we need to have with ourselves, even conversations we need to have with our leadership, with our bosses, with those um, stakeholders within our organizations, because maybe there's an issue, maybe there's a concern, maybe there's something that you want to recommend, but you don't want to have that conversation because there's a level of fear that you have. So I want us to go back and I want want you to first ask yourself, where did you first learn and see confrontation? Where did you first learn and see confrontation? Because for many of us, like I talked about, let's go all the way back to those bubbles that we lived in. 
right? Our communities, maybe in our schools, maybe in college. There was a point where that fear crept, creeped in. And it might have been a confrontation, right? Or maybe that uncomfortable conversation you had with someone, it had an outcome that you didn't like. And now because of that, this has birthed this fear within you. Maybe again, we saw some things within our homes. We saw some things within our communities and you saw how people communicated and it wasn't always the healthiest. You saw individuals get loud. You saw people slam doors. You saw people yell. You saw people leave and never come back. You saw conflict that just escalated. You saw just so many different things. And what we didn't realize is that, a, you know, subconsciously, this was creating our definition of or making these uncomfortable conversations or these conversations look negative. So now we go into organizations, now we go into leadership, now we go into these spaces, and now we fear having these conversations because you've seen these negative outcomes from bad communicators, from those who never really learned how to effectively communicate, address issues, address concerns, and again, whoever that was. Even if it was you that went and addressed something and someone responded in a way because of their lack of maturity or their lack of understanding, or maybe they were just having a bad day because, again, no one is perfect and it doesn't excuse the behavior. But essentially, all those different things could have embedded that subconscious belief, false belief that, you know what, I don't want to have this conversation Or I don't want to address these things because this could potentially be the outcome. So now you're not addressing things within an organization, within your team. You're not speaking up for yourself respectfully. You're not challenging things effectively, respectfully, that could benefit your team, your organization. You're not managing or addressing things effectively or not even saying anything at all because, again, you have seen this interaction that was so negative. And again, remember, emotions dictate our behaviors. There's the emotion. It affects your nervous system. Then now you feel it because now it's like uh, feelings are pretty much your emotions coming to life because now you can see, feel, hear it, right? Smell it. So that's like when you are doing a plank, you start to shake so, you know, it, it's like it's like the reality of your emotions coming up, like you're you're seeing it happening or some some people who are, you know, afraid they turn red. It's like you're now physically seeing <laughs> the feeling, the emotion comes alive. You can see it now. And then after that, now comes the thoughts. What are you thinking to keep you in that state? And then now it's now the behavior is affected. Now you're running from it. Now you're running from the response or not saying anything at all. Now you aren't addressing that thing that could be so beneficial for that person's development, for that person's growth, for taking your business, your organization, your company to the next level. And that's why reframing is so important. Because we don't know what the outcome is. Yes, We might get a response that might not be beneficial. And again, we can't control the response of others. But essentially, 
if it's for good reasons, if it's for the right outcome, if it's strategic, if it's respectful, if it's with the right outline, then you need to address it. But before we get into that, you know, again, just to give the definition of conflict, a conflict is a natural outcome of any decision making process and can be a common occurrence within organization. So there was a 2008 report that highlighted about workplace conflict, because, again, I want you and you already probably already know this, right, that workplace conflict is normal. But again, I want you to get this into your mindset, especially again, I don't know if a new leader will stumble upon this podcast. This might be your first time listening, but I want to prepare you for this. Or maybe you share this with a new leader that's like, ah, I'm going into this military role or I'm going into this organization or I'm interested in leadership. What can you, you know, can you afford me a a podcast that can help me understand what to prepare for? I got you, right? I got you. I can give you the information. So let's talk about some statistics that was in this report that talked about workplace conflict, just so you can know that this is normal because it is normal. It's normal. Conflict happens everywhere. Again, just to give you that definition, again, a conflict is a natural outcome, natural, natural outcome. I want to highlight natural. So this is something that is natural, normal of any decision-making process and can be a common, again, common, natural, common, natural. Remember that this is common and natural. So don't worry about it. We have all, every single person in this world will face some type of uncomfortable conversation, some type of conflict, right? Within an organization, within a friendship, within a partnership, we are all going to deal with it at some point. So Just wanted to highlight those two words. Um, So again, a conflict is a natural outcome of any decision-making process and can be a common occurrence within an organization. And again, add within a partnership, friendship, within a team, within a business, it is common. All right, so let's go through some of these statistics. So 85% of employees deal with conflict on some level, 85%. I would like to say 100% to be honest. But again, you know, when they do these, uh, these surveys, of course, you have individuals that, you know, they divvy it out to. So 85% highlighted, you know, based off of this information that they deal with conflict at some level. 29% of employees deal with it almost constantly, right? Because of course, we know that there are certain roles and responsibilities where it's more constant. I'm pretty sure if you work in a customer service type of role, you deal with it constantly. I deal with it constantly because my role is customer service based. And when I say customer service, I am dealing with a lot of high level organizations and they are my clients and they are my customers. So because of the level of um, things that we do within our organizations, I am constantly having to navigate certain type of conflicts or some type of uh, uh, uncomfortable conversation or some type of issue that comes up just because of the type of programs and things that I manage. So I'm in that constant role right now. It's unfortunate, but hey, it's the nature of the beast. It is what it is. Um, But some of them, again, depending on your role, it's a constant thing. Um, And again, if you're in customer service, you definitely understand because, again, when you pick up the phone, somebody might be calling for a complaint. I didn't receive something or whatever that job is or that customer service space is. It's constant more often than others and depending on the department you work in. 12% of employees say they frequently witness conflict uh, among their senior team. So, 
Some people are witnessing it. 49% of conflict is a result of personality clashes and warring egos, okay? And again, with that, you're talking about some deeper-rooted issues, and it's so important that we recognize when that is happening because even especially as leaders, we have to be able to recognize and check ourselves when we are dealing with things that's personality-based. Is it something personal, and recognizing when it's time to apologize and recognize, you know, it's me. Is it an ego thing? Is it more me? Has it? Does it have anything to do with the organization, the business, with, you know, a misstep? Is it just me, myself, and I? Is it something that we just need to hash out? So please recognize that that does happen, but also in leadership or even with teams, we definitely want to address those personality clashes because it's, in re, it's, in, um, it's a reality. And I will be doing a series where I'm going to be talking about the different behavior styles. Anybody that follows me, I'm big on things like the DISC assessments, on these different psychometric tools. I think they're powerful, emotional intelligence, because it really allows you to understand the different personalities and the different backgrounds and just the different type of behavior styles that you can see within an organization's even, like I've mentioned in the past, the different generations. And all those different things can cause a clash in personalities because people function a different way. Some people have different worldviews, like I mentioned. So because of that, that could cause conflict because one person thinks that, oh my goodness, you're getting smart with me when they're like, no, I'm just asking a question because I need clarity. But again, this might be someone that's more quote unquote old school. And it might be like, you don't talk back to somebody that is more seasoned in this role when they're just asking a question for clarity. So those things can happen. And again, it's good to understand when that is and get down to the nitty gritty of what happened to identify what that is and um, get the clarity you need to get to the root cause and say, oh, they were just asking that question because they needed clarity because their behavior style, they're one of those people that are are precisionists like myself. And they just wanted to make sure that they understood what you were saying. They weren't challenging you. And then from the other perspective and so on. So again, it's just saying that that does happen. All right, let's continue. 34% of conflict is caused by stress in the workplace. Some people have conflict because they're stressed out. So when you're stressed and someone comes up on you and they're just like, hey, some, some people can get snappy. Again, no one's perfect, but that can cause conflict. When it's a stressful time, stressful season, people need to get things done. And now you come and and, and, and say a customer calls or somebody comes in with something. And again, it can make people get a little irritated. So because of stress, that could be a reason for a conflict. 33% of conflict is caused by heavy workloads. All right. Can anybody like, hey, put an amen in the comments, um, even though this podcast doesn't have comments, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> um, 25% of employees have seen conflict result in sickness or absent. That is true. Conflict can get so thick in an organization, in a company, in a team where people can get sick. You know, And we, if it gets to the point where conflict is causing people to get sick and they're not want to come into work, that means that conversation needs to... I just wonder if... A, if people feel comfortable enough to say that there is conflict going on and we need to address it, if it's being ignored, um, if that leader in that within that team just doesn't feel comfortable enough to address it, or if they just don't care, it, like it's something that is occurring where 
<laughs> if people are getting to the point of sickness and people are calling in and not showing up, I just have so many questions. If it gets to that point, why hasn't it been addressed? And that's what we're trying to avoid. Again, that's why we're having this conversation so this doesn't happen. And not saying that it won't. I'm not saying that it will, you know, it won't happen. It might happen, but let's address it. Because again, sometimes our team members will keep things within within themselves and we find out later on and it's like, whoa, well, what, what, where have we been? And again, that's why we need to make sure that we stay so tuned in as leaders, as individuals within that team, Or even, again, you might be a team member within that organization that's trying to get into that leadership. Again, these are things you want to pay attention to where we can be like, whoa, something's off here. Let's address it. Let me bring it up to my leader. Um, Because, again, sometimes we get so tied tied into the workload or what we need to do. And sometimes we aren't aware of what's going on around us. So if it's getting to that point, we really need to address the issue ASAP because we don't want to have an environment where people are calling in sick. They're absent because now it's becoming a workplace that people don't want to be in. And quite frankly, I want to have a team uh, or a workplace where people feel comfortable, welcomed and safe to be in. So I just want to hit that point. And then the last one says, 9% have seen workplace conflict cause a project to fail. That is 100% if, because conflict causes a breakdown in communication. Communication can break down people. Again, your creative juices can flow because that's the reality. Like in order for creativity to flow, innovation to flow, cohesion to flow, you need to be able to address the conflict. And if you even have one person on that team that's just like nitpicky or um, they're the person that's just kind of like the sore thumb and it's not being addressed, it can really throw off the vibe, the flow, the energy of that project. So that has to be addressed. And then when projects fail, just imagine what else fails because say that project is due and maybe a client is tied to that. Now we can't get this project to the client. Now you might lose that client. That means that client equals a dollar amount. And now that organization is out of money. And that means another thing. It might mean now that organization is out of money. And if that happens for too long, people lose jobs. So you always think about the trickle effect that can happen when one thing affects one thing and another thing affects another thing. And literally not having a conversation or having that, you know, that much needed conversation, it could lead to that. And you might be like, that's a bit extreme, Aisha, but that's the reality of it, right? That's the reality, reality reality of it. So that's why I keep on hitting these points. Leaders need to embrace conflict as they, as they arise and use them as an opportunity to align the team on the problem. Understand it well. Collect assumptions on how to best proceed and execute a solution. Again, leaders need to embrace conflicts. And I want to change them into not confrontations, into confrontation because when we add the care to it, Right. I really want you guys to embrace that word carefrontation because carefrontation is looking at the development factor of the conversation. It's looking at, you know what, what is the purpose of the conversation? I want to help them. I want to help them improve. I want to help them learn from their mistakes. I want them to get back to their high performance. I want to help this happen. It's always for a a bigger benefit of the person that you need to have a conversation with, of the organization, of the team. There's so many benefits on the other side. So that adds the care component to it. Because now this person can improve and learn from their mistakes. But if, if a confrontation or a conversation never happens, a carefrontation never happens, 
That person might literally be blind to what they're doing. We have all done it. We can be blind to our blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. Sometimes we cannot see it. I always, again, you guys have probably heard this story over and over again. When I thought I was the bomb.com leader and heard, had that moment with my team where they were like, wait, um, this is the issue, this, and you guys have heard the story of having that conversation with my, my boss and my team who were saying that, we, that they were expressing these issues that they had with me that I did not know until that carefrontation happened. And I could have taken it in a, in a negative way, but I realized in that moment I needed to get it together. And I did. And it was a blind spot because I didn't realize it. So we do have blind spots. So if we don't have the conversation with the person, if we can, we're not helping them learn from their mistakes. So they keep repeating the mistake. They keep on repeating it. And then it can end up into that, again, when I mentioned people calling in sick, people becoming absent, projects failing. How can we get them to high performance if they don't have, how do you know what the issue is? So what is it, you know, what is it that's uh, causing this from happening? And maybe it's a training issue and you find out that, oh, it's honestly, it's just because I don't really know the process. So I've been winging it. And I mean, in your mind, you might be like, why have you been winging it? Why didn't you just say something? But there are people who will do that. They will wing a process and hope they figured it out right because they're afraid of there. There are other people that are afraid of the conversation. So they'd rather make the mistake. So not only are you uncomfortable with it, there are other people who are uncomfortable with it. You know, they have the term about being the bigger person, but sometimes you have to be that person. And definitely as the leader, you have to be a step above because there are people navigating these same uncomfortable things. So let's turn confrontation into carefrontation because for a lot of us, again, we have learned about this in a very, in a way that has caused this fear, this uncomfortability. We have probably had bad experiences in the past. And because of that, we don't have these conversations that are needed that can help people see their blind spots, help people go from underperformance to better performance, to better performers versus continuing a behavior that never improves. And now they're out of a job where we could have been those individuals that came around and helped them. I've seen it happen so many times where you find someone in your organization, on your team, and you're like, how did you get here? Because you're like, you see their like evaluations or you see their performance reports and you're like, no one ever addressed this issue. And of course, you have to have that moment where you just wonder if it's that person. But there are situations where people just get tired of people and they just pass them around. And again, there's some spaces that the work gets so busy, they just don't have time to lead and manage. But that's what leadership and management is. I mean, trust me, being in the high, like high performing or a high visible or a team or, or department where it's just go, go, go. We still have to find the time to lead our teams, develop them, help them grow. We do. We have to make the time. It will be a disservice to just, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have time to develop you right now because we have 50 tickets. We have to find the time some kind of way. And it might be a, con a, a conversation we need to have with our boss. 
to set things up to say, hey, every Thursday we need to be shut down so we can do some development, whatever that is. But this is why we need to have these care confrontations because these conversations are pivotal in shifting your organization, your business, your team, getting them to that level that's going to benefit and prevent these things from happening and creating an environment where people don't feel safe, they don't feel comfortable, they don't believe in your leadership because you're not addressing that one issue. And they're like, she doesn't see, or he does, they don't see, he doesn't, they don't see, he doesn't see what's going on here. Is he just not going to say anything? So these are the things we have to do as leaders. But first, we have to really look at where we learned (laughs) about confrontation and realize that we need to look at it from the perspective. It's not about us. It's about the benefit, the care part, the care confrontation, about the purpose of it. And it's about helping. It's about learning. It's about development. It's about growing. It's about getting people to the other side, making people see maybe areas that they didn't realize, getting them to the other side of it, and then also helping them take action. And of course, again, it's up to that person to take the action. It's up to, you know, those pivots and chains, them taking or implementing those things we give them. And of course, if it doesn't happen, we have to move accordingly with the disciplinary action and so on. But that's the purpose of it. And we have to lead with that and do it with empathy, with understanding, with respect. Do it strategically. Do it without yelling and disrespect. We have to do it in a way that is the correct way. Not the way that we might have seen, (laughs) we've seen it done in the past. And then we're really in that place of, okay, it's a care confrontation, not a confrontation. It's not an uncomfortable conversation. It's a caring conversation, right? So I want you guys to really like take that in. And on the other half of this conversation, you know, we we talk about it, really hit the point. Now we're going to talk about the solutions, right? How we can really implement it. What are the steps to do that? All right, so hang out. And then we're going to talk about on the other side, how to really implement, how to go about not confrontations, reframing it and looking at it as carefrontation and what we can do to start helping and addressing these things that need to be addressed so we can help those on the other side of it, learn, grow, develop, and get them to that high performing side to benefit the organization, to to benefit us. And also having those conversations with ourselves, because sometimes those carefrontations are with us. Like I needed to have when my team said, hey, you need to step it up. I needed to have a, a confrontation with Aisha to, I, to talk to Aisha about why were you not doing your part to step up or why were you so blind to the needs of your team? I had to have that with myself as well. So, again, just hang out and we'll just dibble and dabble into that in a second. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, Like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Yeah, that does. I mean, I... 
I'm glad I'm glad you got me there because that's that's good. So you feel it was accurate. Like what what's your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have period. Like how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um I need to work on me. I'm like I'm happy right now. I am I'm that's this is good. good. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. Remember, leaders need to embrace solutions as they rise and use them as an opportunity to align the team. And again, when we're talking about carefrontations, it might be alignment that you need with yourself. It might be alignment that's needed within your business, maybe within the organization. Maybe it's alignment that you need with your boss. Because maybe there are some recommendations that you have for that organization, for that business, maybe for yourself. But it creates alignment on the problem by addressing that situation. It allows that understanding to occur. It collects assumptions because the reality is assumptions can occur when the conversations don't happen. So that can be cleared up. And then a solution can be created because from all that, it's about how best to proceed and execute on that solution. So we've already talked about where or why individuals can fear conflict. We talked about what this study, we talked about a study and about the different aspects of what employees see and deal with in regards to conflict. And of course, we never wanted to get to the point where people are calling in and the workplace has gotten to a space where projects are failing and it's just created this level of toxicity or uncomfortability or even a safety concern. And again, when I when people think safety, they're thinking about life endangerment, which can happen, right? Because it can definitely happen. And we've seen it unfortunately play out in so many instances this year. But also safety can also be mental safety. We have to realize that that mental capacity and that safety is important as well. People need to have mental wellness even in the workplace. And yes, stress is going to happen. There are going to be seasons where the workload might be heavy. But what can we do to alleviate that? And it might be having those conversations. So, you know, uh, there's a multitude of reasons why people suffer from a fear of conflict. So, again... We talk through, talk through those, but some people don't like to be proved wrong. Some people are afraid of it because they don't want to not be liked. They, they fear not being liked. They fear offending others. Some individuals don't even care enough to risk it. Hey, what if I have this conversation and this person quits? What if I have this conversation and this happens? So they rather not even risk any risk whatever outcome they think could happen. They haven't even considered the development opportunity or the potential threats that are looming. So which one have you fit in? Some individuals don't address it because they aren't fulfilled by their work. That could be a reason why. But fear a lack of understanding, uncomfortability, a multitude of reasons could be why individuals might not want to address that thing. But as a leader, we want to realize that the reality of addressing issue is the most caring thing we can do as a leader. And we have to start looking at things at, you know what, I'm not confronting it. It's not a confrontation, it's a carefrontation. 
there's a learning opportunity behind it. For me as a leader, for that team member, there's a learning opportunity for anybody and everybody that's attached to this situation. So let's reframe this and say, I care enough about you. I care about I care so much about this situation and about the outcome that I want to resolve this issue. I want to get to a better outcome. I want to prevent this from happening. And that now that translates to being more intentional in the interactions with others. So everybody wins. The goal is creating a win-win situation from everyone, for everyone. And honestly, sometimes it might not be a win for other people. But what's going to provide the best outcome for the most, if anything? And for us, of course, when we're working for the organization, a lot of times they are the priority. But for a lot of these situations, we can find a healthy medium that can benefit everybody. Hey, I can't give you every Friday off, but I might be able to let everybody leave at 3 p.m. Hey, I might not be able to shut down the office for development days every week, but we can do it every other week. Hey, I might not be able to shut down the customer calls at 5 p.m. or 3 p.m., but we can do it at 4 p.m. Different things like that. Every bit counts. So there is a way to find a balance. So here's some additional steps you want to utilize when we're about to care front a team member or a situation. So the first thing we want to do is assess the issue before. You know what? Before Let's even back up. Before we assess the issue, I want you to first assess that feeling, that fear, that emotion you're feeling in the first place, because I didn't even add that step. I want you to check yourself first. How am I feeling? Do I have bias? What are my thoughts telling me? Because I want you to go into it with facts, not feelings. And although feelings are still going to be there, emotions are still, still going to be there because, again, they are the foundation for a lot of our actions and behaviors. I really want to make sure we weed out those negative ideas, those negative feelings, those things that are biased to, you know, things that will not get you to that solution, that will get you moving forward. So that is the first thing that I want you to do so you can reframe that thinking and start thinking about the benefits versus the negatives. Because if you're so focused on the what ifs, what if this causes more chaos? What if they don't like me after? What if this? What if that? Then again, you're going at it in a way that might prevent you from moving forward. So that's the first thing I always want you to go about doing before you have this confrontation. Let me get myself in alignment first before I address it. The next thing is now you can assess the issue before addressing it. Right. You want to collect the facts, identify the issues and the potential resolutions. So you want to get the facts. What actually happened? What were the details that might require you to do some investigation, look through emails, just get as much as much facts as possible so you can pinpoint to that. So this is this isn't, again, a feelings based conversation, because at least you can pinpoint and say this is what happened on this date at this time. This was the email. This was the conversation. Get all the parties involved. Get all the names. Get everything that you can in regards to the conversation. Identify the issues. So was it a communication thing? Was it a rules and regulations thing? Was it a training thing? Like get as much information as possible as what the issue was that came up. 
And then the potential resolution. Can you come up with some ideas and some solutions already so you can come in there with ideas? And of course, the goal of this conversation is to come with um, or create a collective idea. And that's a strategic thing because, again, we always want to try to create a space, especially when we're dealing with teams, where they can be a part of the process of coming up with solutions. Let's make this collaborative. Let's all come together as a team. And again, this is building the trust. Let's have all, let all of us come together and say we all had something to do with this resolution. So they can't say this was all of Aisha's idea. And sometimes it might be that way because, again, depending on the participation, how, you know, how deep this issue is or this concern, it might be, hey, this, was, this is what needs to be done. There will be conversations that might need to be that way. But we want to go in with that idea. But if you can come up with some ideas ahead of time, that'll be awesome. What are some potential resolutions, some solutions you can come up with ahead of time? The next, the next thing is maintain a level of empathy and understanding when addressing the issue. That's going to be so important because there might be some things happening on the other side that you might not be aware of. Some feelings, some emotions, some perspective that you can't specifically relate to. There are a lot of companies that I've talked to, I've worked with, or people I've seen people that have worked with that had a lot of people navigating a lot of things that we're dealing with, you know, as we were navigating um, conversations about so- social injustice and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And some people could not relate to their team members that were African-American. But they still walked in with a level of empathy or they wanted to know how can I go in there and make sure I maintain this level of empathy. So always go in with that idea that I'm here to understand. You don't have to have lived it. You might not know specifically what it feels like to go through that feeling, that emotion, or that experience, but just go in being open to understand the perspective. So maintain a level of empathy and understanding when addressing the issue. Listen openly. Listen, right? Take notes now. Let them know ahead of time, hey, I might be taking notes as you're talking, but I want to make sure that I listen. And if I have questions along the line, I want to jot them down real quick so I can go back to them because I want to honor your voice and honor your perspective. So listen openly and listen to understand, not to respond. Again, we're going back to the empathy because you have to, in order for you to understand the person, you you have to be able to listen to them. So listen to understand, not to respond. Offer new perspectives. Be open to new perspectives. So not only offer new perspectives, because sometimes this could be a teaching opportunity for us to them, because you might have a team member, individual that might see it one way. And now you can allow them to see it a completely different way. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And I had did that recently. I did that recently with my team and I allowed them to understand why strategically our leadership had to do certain things a certain way. And I was like, a lot of times you guys don't understand why this has to be done a certain way because you're not sitting in their seats. But this is why. And now they had an understanding. Oh, this is why they have to do that. This is why they answered these calls. It's because when it's time for them to call that person, they like scratch my back, I scratch your back. So you have to realize sometimes it's like a give and take relationship when you get to certain levels because there are going to be moments where they need to call that person for to get questions answered, to get us accesses, to get us into these classes or into these courses or whatever they need for us. 
So when they call them and they need, you know, to skip the line, sometimes they'll honor it because they know on the other end when it's time for our, our for lines to be skipped for their team, they'll do the same. So offer new perspective, but also be open to hear and learn new perspectives because just because we're in that leadership seat, it does not mean that we can't learn new things. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what role you play, what rank you have, you can learn something from your team member and ask for feedback. Sometimes you have to ask, is it me? Did I give you tools that you needed? Did we give you the resources that you needed? What kind of training do you need? What do you have and what don't you have? So ask for feedback. Apologize if necessary. Maybe it's something you can you could have done better. It's okay to say, you know what, I apologize for that. I did not know that. But be sincere because sometimes it's us. Or sometimes we didn't know. And as I say, if necessary, right? Because sometimes we need to do that. It's important that we do that and own up when it's, you know, when it's uh, something that we did. So apologize when it's necessary. You know, because when I say if necessary, sometimes we apologize for things that we have, like it's not, and we didn't have anything to do with that, right? You know, because again, some of us are apology driven, and that'd be a whole nother conversations. But there's some people who just naturally just say, I'm sorry to everything. I'm sorry I called. And it's like, no, I need you to call me because if you have a concern or issue, you're supposed to call me. So and again, some people don't even know naturally. They just say, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry I'm bothering you. You're not bothering me. This is my work hours. I'm your supervisor. You're supposed to call me right now. You know, so some people are just I'm sorry prone. So that's why I say if necessary. But essentially, we should always apologize when we are in the wrong, when we do something that is, you know, offensive, wrong, whatever it is, we need to be able to say, as a leader, I'm still wrong. We are not just exempt just because we have a leadership role. Not at all. Seek a, seek a win-win solution. Like I mentioned earlier, it's about finding the best, the best outcome for all. Again, finding that healthy medium. And again, find something you guys can collaborate collaborate with. I'm big with my team. Hey, what do you guys think about this? Because sometimes I come up with a solution and they're like, well, Sergeant Thomas, I didn't da 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 da. Or if it's like for my business, well, I want you to think about this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see that. Because again, they might be able to give you a perspective you didn't think about. So try to seek a collaborative win-win solution. Follow through with an action plan. And when I say follow through is when we, fo- when we walk away from this conversation, take action. It might not be that day, but you created a plan. You said this is the solution. Now you have to put it into practice. And that goes for both sides. Because you can say, okay, this is the fix. I'm going to make some phone call. I'm going to get you the resources. But then you don't make the phone call. And yes, you can get busy, but you have to allot the time to do that, right? So make sure that you follow through. Because the last thing we want to do is, again, you know, I had this conversation recently on a live that we did last week about, you know, if this should be a time where you pivot from your business. And we talked about creating a space where um, you build company loyalty with your team. And in order to do that, you really want to make sure that they feel like their needs are being met and they have a voice. And for a lot of times we have these spaces where, and we've probably been there, where they call you in, ask for your feedback. What do you guys feel? What do you want to change? And nothing changes. And say that in that moment you were truly vulnerable. You were truly vulnerable and you truly gave like a true authentic uh, like input. 
And I've been in spaces where people have cried because they really like put they really felt like I can finally say how I feel and nothing changes. That affects the trust. That confirms that you don't care. And now that team member is really checked out. So we have to follow through with what we say we're going to do. Give them updates. Say, okay, this is what we've done. I had the conversation. Oh, like you have to do that because now they'll trust you because now you're a person of your word. And even if it can't happen, just tell them why it can't happen. Hey, I went and talked to the boss about it. It can't happen and this is why. But also think about an alternative. But the follow through is so important because you don't want to have these conversations. Say you're going to say you're going to do something and not do it. So have that open dialogue. And then the last one is follow up and maintain open dialogue to rebuild trust. And it's what I just said. Maintain that open dialogue. You want to continue to maintain and build those relationships anyway with your team members. So we can really, again, um, find out and keep that closeness enough where we can still ensure that we are checking in with our teams, making sure things are going good within that department. Because again, although we might be working on the vision and developing programs and revamping things and going to 10, 15, 20 meetings a day, we still want to make sure that the things that are happening within the team is still good. So we have to still stay connected. So we don't want to lose that whole like, you know, get back into the whole mode of, you know, working on all these things that we just lose the connectivity with our team members. And now we're like, whoa, there, there's another conflict or there's like some, some things going on and I've lost touch again. So you want to make sure that you're following up constantly, checking in, seeing that, hey, ha- since we've updated these um, new programs, are things going well? Like right now with my team, one of the things we implemented was a whole new way that we manage our programs. So on June 1st, we're going to go into the office because we've been teleworking. I think it's June 1st, but a day in June, we're supposed to go in the office, sit down and talk about how has things been working. And that is my way of following up, maintaining open dialogue. What's working? What's not been working? What can we do better? I know I had this idea. I had this vision, but is it working? What can we do to make it better? What are your thoughts on it? How can we improve? And then we'll do it again until we find something that is the best for everybody. Best for them but also best for the customers, best for the organization, best for the members, best for all the, again, stakeholders within that organization. Because again, when you're talking about care fronting, it's about really the benefits, learning, growing, developing for all. So let's start going in with the mindset of care fronting versus confronting. It's not an uncomfortable conversation. It's a beneficial conversation. It's a caring conversation. It's a conversation that's going to move things forward. It's going to develop that high performance. And again, please note that people still have to take action. So if you still, if you do your part and follow all these steps and individuals still don't do their part, hey, you know what? If individuals still end up getting written up, getting paperwork, you know, you do the process that HR has laid out or within your business you have laid out, then, hey, unfortunately, that might still have to happen. But essentially, just do your part as a leader, do your part as a team member, do your part to make sure that you are going about it as the best way possible. Because the only thing we can do is control ourselves and put our best foot forward. So I hope this information helped. 
And as always, share this with another leader. Share this with somebody that's an aspiring leader. Share this with somebody that is thinking about building a team. Even the individuals in business, because again, these are things that you a lot of business leaders don't think about because at some point you will have a team. At some point, you're going to have other leaders that you are going to be developing within your team to kind of run things in your business. And these are things you want to think about. There's still engagement. There's still development. There's, there's still all these things that you have to do while you are building this amazing brand business, these great products that you're doing. All this is still happening behind the scenes. So don't forget that. And if you have not left a review yet, please make sure you do that. Um, as always, if you have any questions or concerns, you can shoot me an email, excuse me, an email at info at AishaThomas.org. Shoot me a DM on any of my platforms at Miss Aisha Thomas. Um, and of course, you know, if you want to set an appointment um, to do some coaching, some development, bring me into your organization and help, you know, talk about these things. Any of these topics that we you have heard me talk about within any of these episodes, please reach out to me. Um, go to my booking page. You can book me there or again, shoot me an email at info at AishaThomas.org. Um, and, you know, I can come in and definitely bring in the entire team because, you know, the acting leadership team, um, we can come in and really do a deep, deep dive into your organization and really help a ton of different areas. So I appreciate you guys tuning in today. I hope this information helps and make sure that you guys, again, go back and listen to the previous podcast because there's always something you can take away from it to help you improve and develop as a leader. And I always appreciate you guys just supporting, just tapping in. And as always, I just appreciate your time and your energy that you're taking to develop yourself because that is what you're doing by tapping into this episode today. So as always, I appreciate you all and I will catch you guys next week. Be blessed.